1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today I'm joined by Adam Jones, Chris Beasley, and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And what a week. What a week it's been, of course. And the, the fallout from Rafael Benitez's sacking continues. Duncan Ferguson, of course confirmed as in caretaker charge for the upcoming game, starting with the visit of Aston Villa this weekend. So we will talk about that, of course. We will talk about the names uh, been chucked into the managerial uh, candidacy. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about Villa. We'll talk about Duncan himself, of course, having just done his preference, uh, press conference. And of course, another thing, a remarkable week. We'll talk about Farhad Mashiri increasing his shareholding at the football club and writing an open letter to supporters. Um, but Adam, I think the best place to start is as usual on the Royal Blue podcast on a Friday press conference from Finch Farm, Duncan uh, answering several questions uh, and handling himself well as as usual. Um, what was your big take from from what Duncan uh, Duncan said?
0: It's quite refreshing, wasn't it? It was, you know, in true Duncan Ferguson manner. I think it was very blunt in all of the uh, all of the answers he was given. You know, there was no sort of no sort of shirking or hiding behind any anything at all. You know, he, he talked about his message to the players. I think that was the most interesting bit of the press conference for me, wasn't it, when somebody asked him, uh, do, do Everton's players know what it means to play for Everton? And he kind of, you know, quite, quite, <laughs> quite ominously it's, said they do now. Yeah, they is, know now, put it yeah, that way. Yeah, which Ooh. is uh, probably a little bit of an insight as to what he's been drilling into them on the training pitch. But... Yeah, I thought I thought it was all was all quite refreshing, and you know, it's it, it, it's very it's it's very obvious that he knows what Everton fans want to see from his sort of appointment, isn't it? You know, Everton fans just want to see a not really a back to basic sort of approach, but you know, so, something that something that they can relate to, something that they haven't seen probably in a in a good few months, years perhaps. Uh, you know, a, a style a style of football that Duncan Ferguson knows he can bring one full of energy, aggression, passion, direct attack and football, solid defensive football. You know, it's 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 it might be simplistic to talk about it in those in those sort of terms, but that's the kind of stuff they ever in need right now. And Duncan Ferguson was getting that message across quite well. And you know, as you as you've quite rightly said there, I think he, he come across very well. He was very respectful to Rafa Benitez, I thought he didn't really want to speak about the problems that have Gone in the past, he only wanted to focus on the future, which I thought was good. Uh, he obviously was asked about the managerial situation, which we'll get to in a bit, and I thought he was quite respectful when discussing that as well. And you know all the rumors that have surrounded that. So yeah, all in all, I thought it was a I thought it was a really good press conference from Duncan Ferguson, to be honest. Chris, you
1: could almost hear the sound of thousands of Evertonians just, just like raising their fists and go, "Come on, Dunk!" When he said, "You know, I know the players now know what what's expected." You know, put it that way. Um, was that was that the standout line for you? I mean, that's the most emotive one. And in these situations, and no, look, Dunk isn't doing that cynically. That's just Duncan, yeah. heart on his sleeve. And as Adam says, he's he's probably the the antithesis of a Roberto Martinez in press conferences. There's no colour, there's no flower. He's straight to the point.
2: Um, yeah, and uh, I think that's what, you know, as we all know, what you see is what you get with um, Duncan Ferguson, and, um, whether he's talking about the Everton job or just in, in general, whenever you're in his presence. But yeah, that's the sort of shot on the arm that um, Everton need. They needed that in December 2019 when they, uh, you know everyone was on the floor, bottom three after the 5-2 Derby defeat against Liverpool and uh, Marco Silva, who'd been a very introverted character. It was the end of his reign. So that worked an absolute treat for that that Chelsea game. And Everton are obviously hoping for something um, very similar tomorrow. Uh, we can move on to this, but I think it's it's uh, very different over a long period. You know, if you're talking about half a season that we've still got left now between um, the tomorrow's fixtures and uh, what, what remains and you know nobody has mentioned about what at the moment is it's it's very much a, a, a caretaker a temporary role rather than you know any sort of longer interim but yeah for that short term shot in the arm I said that kind of adrenaline feeling I mean you, it's impossible to maintain that over a prolonged period and you need more than that but certainly yeah at the moment after having you know the former Liverpool manager who ends up actually getting sacked because He's won one out of thirteen games. Um, it needs it. It needs that morale boost, doesn't it? We heard about how the chairman was up at Finch Farm this week, speaking to Duncan and his staff, and sort of um, had the word with them and um, tried to to raise spirits and sort of emphasise that the need for um, to just uh, everyone singing from the same hymn sheet and um, that togetherness at the club again. And uh, Duncan Ferguson will certainly provide that uh, tomorrow against Aston Villa.
1: Gavi, we'll come on to it now and i want to sort of ask you your opinion and your belief about duncan ferguson's suitability for the job permanently now chris makes a very valid point about you need more than just um a shot in the arm type coaching mentality over a course of season, a season or season more than you know more than you could have over a few games but if you look back over the last couple of seasons since Duncan took charge in that caretaker spell and you and you try and list the most memorable performances Everton have put in the most 10 most memorable performances Everton have put in since December 19 you would say that the, the, the Chelsea at home would be right near the top that Duncan took charge yeah. of you'd say United away would probably be in there and Duncan's only had four games and, and half of them will be would probably be in most people's lists
3: yeah, I think you've got to remember the COVID thing as well as deprived us of crowds, hasn't it, in that time? So, um, yeah, yeah, well, there hasn't been many, has there? Um, in terms of his suitability, well, I mean, the, the obvious thing against that, he's got no management experience, has he?
1: And he said that himself today, that, in That's the
3: thing. I, and that goes massively against him. I can't think of, I'm trying to think, has anybody managed a club in the Premier League for the first time, first management appointments in the Premier League club age 50? It's probably a few knocking about. Um, it's not something that happens very often. Um, so that, that goes against them uh, for me. Uh, I'd also say, and if, this can go two ways, is not it? The fact that he's been under six different coaches or managers or whatever, that... That's good in that he's gained experience, but bad in that actually he's been around the parish while we've been failing all the time. Um, so that that can work go work both ways. In terms of in terms of the other plus points, he obviously has been at the club a long time. He knows the players, so he's not an outsider coming in, is he? He knows work with the players closely. Um there was an interesting article yesterday about whether this thing about knowing the club is actually just a big fallacy, you know, it's just, what does that mean? You know, um, it means probably nothing in the great scheme of things. Um, so I don't necessarily think that goes in his favor. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's a, if you were to be offered the job permanently, it's a massive gamble, isn't it? I think, um, my personal opinion is I think there's better candidates out there. Um, I also think the goes against him for me is why hasn't he gone outside and being a manager if he's got designs on being a manager is coaching a good something for, for the best part of a decade now in that time. If you want to be a manager, you shouldn't have gone away and uh, earned your spares elsewhere. Yeah, I that fair vision, point. But, and I think yeah. that, that's that's that also says its own thing, really.
1: Maybe in the interest of balance, Duncan would argue that he's picked up so much from working alongside Silver, Ancelotti, Kuhn, Benitez, etc. You know, just just out of balance. Yeah, I did say that, you like, know,
3: that that yeah. goes for and against you, doesn't it? You know, mm. he has gained a lot of experience under different managers with different styles, but at the same time, he's also been in that sort of, mm. you know, that, that
1: that
3: period of failure.
1: He's also seen what they've done wrong.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and also what they've done right. Yes. Um so that i say that that sort of being in the round can, there's there's pluses and minuses to that. Mm. It's just generally the lack of management experience to me because it's such a big Premier League job is a big job at any club, yes. really. Yeah. You know, and um, especially at Evan, especially where we are at the moment. So suitability it's a uh, Questionable, isn't it, really, if you were, if you were to um, provide a one-word answer?
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, where do you stand on the knowing the club element to this discussion? Because this also pertains not only to Duncan, but to Wayne Rooney, who we'll talk about in a bit. Personally, I'm a little bit conflicted, but edging towards, well, we've tried bringing in the best available. We've tried people with the great CVs, the, the, the guys who've won everything, the guys who've been successful at other football clubs, and it hasn't worked. Maybe it is time to just bring it in-house, almost, in inverted commas, and try something different. And try somebody, because maybe for me, yeah, you know, people would would sort of say, well, what does knowing the football club actually matter? But Duncan's played for the football club and he understands what the supporters want to see. And we know how important the relationship is between the stands and what goes on the pitch. And as as emotive and as wishy-washy as that might sound to some people, when there's a disconnect, it matters and it makes a difference to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So where do you stand on, on that whole
0: subject? Well, I think you've got to say that the the fact still stands that the only managers that have ever won a trophy at Everton are former players, aren't they? So uh, I, I think that's. <laughs> I mean, it, it's probably just a, a weird little quirk in the in the history of Everton, but you know, it's 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 still a fact that no no manager since has been able to to sort of shake off. And you know, if Duncan Ferguson was to perhaps take over for the rest of the season, for example, he'd still be in. He's still in the FA Cup as things stand. So he could he could he could potentially carry that tradition on if he if he was successful enough. I think on the other side of things though, like this is this is something that probably doesn't just relate to the managerial position, is it? You know, there's there's people who have been saying for a number of weeks, months, years that there's a sort of jobs for the boys sort of mentality around Everton at the minute. You know, we've seen now Graham Sharp appointed to the board of directors as probably the latest thing that's got people mentioning that phrase and pointing the fingers a little bit it, 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 in terms of the manager though I think I, I do think it, it is a little bit different and I do kind of fall down on your side of things where I am I am now like well we've, we have gone down we've gone down multiple routes you know we've gone for the successful managers we've gone for the young up-and-coming uh, sort of managers that, that could try and uh, that could try and change things around I think obviously, like th- different extenuating circumstances have meant that that hasn't necessarily worked. You know, realistically, not working well with the director of football, and you know, not not having a, not having Marcel Brands being able to do the kind of job that he was appointed to do, uh, probably feeds into all that. Uh, but for Duncan's suitability, I just think it, it really depends on what Everton really wants in the long term. What is what is Everton's plan we've obviously got this strategic review happening at the minute which is you know I think that's the overarching thing that Everton kind of need to sort out first they need to decide this sort of long-term strategy are they going to appoint a new director of football in the future Uh, what are the you know the instant plans for next season the next season the next season to try and build Everton both on the pitch and off the pitch if Duncan Ferguson is the kind of profile of a manager that could fit into that strategy then why? Why not? Like, why? Why couldn't he be considered about it? I know. I know what Gav's saying in terms of his, you know, lack of experience, and obviously, as you said, he admitted to that himself. But I do think that at this point, any manager is going to be a risk, it's not as if, it's not as if Wayne Rooney's got a wealth of experience, for example, uh, just just from his brief period of time at Derby. Uh, so, it, it, it is a really tricky one. But I, I probably, I probably would. Uh, would fall down to what you you were saying in that sense in terms of you know we have tried everything else we might we might as well give this a go now because i do think anything's going to be a risk at this point
1: please um gav i'll come back to you because i know you've got some interesting points on graham sharp being a board member um chris uh, the idea that we we would go for a new manager who may not have much experience i.e duncan or wayne um but they understand the football club, they've played, they are fans. What? Where do you stand on that, that whole narrative?
2: Um, yeah, I think it is um, an, an important point, but I think they're two very different points because, uh, sorry, two different cases for the two individuals, um, the two Evertonian candidates, as it were, the Duncan Ferguson and Wayne Rooney. As we've said, Duncan himself admitted today, um, said he, he, he wasn't um, experienced enough. Um, he, he, he was, it was uh, quite illuminating, that, what he says because it made me laugh, actually. One of the questions that was um, put to him today, talking about him coming up against Steven Gerrard, was it was two young managers. And um, Duncan Ferguson's 50 years of age, as Gav has pointed out. He's mm. the same age as Walter Smith was. When Walter Smith was appointed Everton manager, Walter Smith had um, won 7 titles in with Rangers or something like that. He's one year le- he's one year less than Howard Kendall was when he came back for a third stint as Everton manager. He's not a young man. Um, young in experience, him. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's so um yeah maybe that's what he meant in two sort of managers new to the Premier League game but mm. yeah so there's don't confess I mean ever we talked about Everton's trophy winning managers being former Everton players. I think apart from Catrick's second time round, they were all younger than what Ferguson was now. They would tend to be younger men. I mean, Howard Kendall won the, the Cup, the um, Cupman's Cup in the league all before his 39th birthday. So, um, yeah, it's, it's strange that. Whereas Wayne Rooney, if flip it round, people are saying well, he's not ready. He's, he's, he's too inexperienced. But he's done what Ferguson hasn't done, as we've mentioned already. He's gone out there got his hands dirty, gone into the lower divisions and started off in very difficult circumstances. We mentioned it earlier in the week in the pod. What a basket case of a club Derby County is, unfortunately. Make Everton look like a slick O machine. This is a this, one of the... Like Everton, one of the founder members of the Football League and they could be going under. They're an absolute crisis club. Um, you now, had, he had Phil Jagielka there with him. He said to let him go because they with the administration and the problems, how they're going to pay the bills. Yeah, he he, he has had an absolute baptism of fire, uh, you know, in, in, um, in football management. And for somebody who's been at the elite of the game all through his, his playing career, more or less, you know, true global star, he's shown that, you know, he's not concerned, you know, go in, I'll learn it, you know, the hard way at, at Derby County. And, you know, we're performing a miracle there. I and mean, if it wasn't for that 21-point deduction, they'd actually be um, safely in the table in the championship so for me, yes, as Adam said, everyone's a risk at the moment. This situation with Everton and uh, the fact that they're a lot closer to the relegation zone than they should be. Yeah, every candidate out there is a risk, as is Rooney. It's come sooner than I would have liked for Wayne Rooney. But I think these things come to a head. You know, when the opportunities arise, you've got to grasp them. And the more I think about it, the more I'm coming around to it, I, he's, he's my preferred candidate. And I think he'd be the one i go for.
1: Gav, before I get your thoughts on Rooney specifically, um, Adam mentioned this idea that there's been a feeling amongst certain sections of the fan base that Everton has become a, a club, you know, jobs for the boys, and the referencing Graham Sharp uh, yeah. being added to the boardroom. But you know, we spoke off uh, off camera a couple of weeks yeah. ago. You've got you've got really quite a strong point about Graham being a point. Yeah, the yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know he's a non-executive director, so he's not involved in the general day-to-day running of 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 the business um i think he you know people sell jobs to the boys you know, "Graham will be a yes man and stuff like that well what people you know and graham has been into you know is you know does a lot of interviews and PR i mean what graham says in those interviews what he says in the privacy for boardroom could be two complete two completely different things this is a post for, for graham to make the best out of it really and i only know graham a little bit um, but he's certainly not short sure of his, you know, expressing his views uh, strongly. Um, you know, which is obviously a big personality because he was in a session with big personalities. So you know, Graham is eminently capable of sitting in the boardroom and strongly arguing his case over over many things. I don't, I don't think he's just going to be sitting there for, as a nodding dog. And he, he himself may see as an opportunity to, to be influential within the club. Um, and he, you know he's been involved around football for a long time. Do the thing as well, people say, oh, well, we don't, you know, obviously there's communication today with Farhad, but, you know, graham has been a fan liaison officer. He's got the air of supporters. So that's a channel, isn't it, to air and views into the, into the boardroom. Plus he's, um, you know, he's a celebrated former player. And it's not unusual for for, for companies to, you know, to make it like a bit of a PR appointment as a non-executive only got to look across the park there at Liverpool, haven't you? Um, so I, I get the jobs for the boys thing, but what I don't get is actually it's you're underestimating Graham by saying he's just gonna sit there in a boardroom and you know, drink his tea and you know, not contribute. He, you know, it's well within his gift and his ability, I think, to to be a, a influence in a positive way in the testing room. And, and, and also, as well, I think it, you, you touched on this, Phil, in your article a couple of weeks ago. Is at the same time, that has to be part of a little bit of a shake up of the room and bringing some new blood in as well. Yeah. Um, I think the child, you know, said before on the pod that the challenges of the club, both in terms of its, you know, moving to Bramley more and, you know, business as usual stuff, are, are massive. And I think that the board boardroom needs a little bit more bandwidth. And um, that's not criticizing the abilities of the people there at the moment. That's just basically what I, I think is in terms of what we need. Uh, and I um, I think Graeme could be a good part of that. And it's within his gift to to ensure that happens, isn't it? I, I think it's wrong just to assume, oh, another appointment. who just sit there doing doing nothing, jobs for the boys. I, I don't think that's good, you know... That's going to happen, Uh, but I hope it doesn't happen. And Graham, I'd say Graham's capable of being a a, a big influence. Can I just
2: interject to say um, I concur with Gavin in that we've had the people have asked for you know new blood on the board, and in comes Graham Sharp. The fans moan about that. They've asked for um, fans input at board meetings. They're going to get that now. They have moaned about that. They moaned about which fans have been appointed. They wanted to hear from Farhad Mashiri, and I know we'll go on to this. It might not have said what you want him to say, or gone in the way you'd want, yeah. gone about it, the way you'd want to say it him. And I'm about that today. So I know Evertonians have had to put up with a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. more than a lot of fan bases should have to do, and it's been a miserable time for them. But you've had three examples of things happening at the club, kind of what everyone asked for, and then they're still whinging about that.
3: Yeah, I haven't watched, watched great for 10 years, Ten years, uh, going back to his reserve days, he's, he's more than capable of saying what he thinks. Sort <laughs> of quite a bit as a player. Uh, you know, he was, in fact, that, that was actually, once he reined that in a little bit, because he was volleyball on the pitch, yeah, he, he became a far better player. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's an intelligent guy and he, he's been around, you know, football for a long time. Uh and I think he's, as I say, he's, he's more than capable of doing a, an effective job in the, in the boardroom.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, just speaking about boardrooms, while we come back to Rooney, obviously Farhad has written an open letter to support us there, and we'll come on to that next. Um, unequivocally backing the board as it stands. No mention in that letter at all about expanding it, although we believe that's that's still under sort of the plan, but no mention of that officially. Um, um, but yeah, in, in terms of, of Rooney, um, Gav, I'm sorry sorry to flip back again. Yeah, Chris made the point, I meant that, yeah, we should reference that this week on the pod. Um, Football Club in the e- ESSG uh, confirming this week that a fan advisory board will be put in place by the end of this season and a commitment from the football club uh, to have fan representation at board meetings. So that's something we can discuss in a bit more detail as we go on. But yeah, worth flagging that up. Uh, Gav, just quickly then, uh, before we move on to Farhad, thoughts on Rooney?
3: Um, On Monday, I was a little bit flubbocked about who should be the next manager, um, to be fair, and sat firmly on the fence. Um, But the more I think about it, and I thought about this a while back, about who should be the next coach is if are going to progress to where we want to be it can only happen in two ways i think somebody gives the club an extra 200 million pound a year to complete with the big boys and that's not going to happen the other thing is we making an appointment of a coach who's a bit of an unknown quantity who actually could turn out to be you know an absolute top class coach we just don't know about it yet and um wayne could actually fit in with that you know within that criterion that he's he's unknown but he's all, he's already shown is wider management skills at Derby County and from what you believe he connects with the players and stuff and that's that's really important now isn't it for a manager and the more I think about it the more I think it makes sense on an appointment not as a former player but that is it, it, it it's a bit like Pochettino's a little bit down more down the coaching line at, when he got appointed Spurs manager and it was, it was a, you know, a little bit, you know, we've managed in Spain. He'd done a year to Southampton, but he was still relatively unknown, you know, in terms of capability. And Wayne Fitz is probably like a few years behind uh, Potts, but it could work fantastically in our favour if he turns out to be a hugely gifted and capable coach, um and that could be one way of really closing the gap, a bit like Spurs did and um the more I think about it the more I think that that actually makes a lot of sense to point from that on that basis um because unless okay but the alternative it, it fails but actually we've had loads of failures anyway another one's not gonna make a lot of difference and you'd like to think as well that Wayne would get more time because of who he is and um you know that he and also as well haven't been a young player at the club maybe understands how that sort of pathway well, which he didn't have really did he went from the under 11s to the first team didn't you think <laughs> um, you know you know what i mean so that that so he has experience of that further down the club um, so um yeah it's it's an appointment that increasingly for me makes a lot of sense in that it's a gamble but actually it could pay off in absolute space if it if
1: it goes right, which a lot of the other people I'm looking at probably it's not going to happen. Mm. Adam, I don't know what do you think. I wrote, I wrote about it um, earlier in the week, and I was just thinking about we do well, and sort of you know ideas spilling out and wrestling with my thoughts a little bit. But I was just sort of musing over the idea whether as whether Wayne, as a former player, of, of fairly recently, and for the generation of players at Everton, he will have been a player that many will have. Some will have played with, the course, but will have looked up to. And I just wonder whether somebody of that profile is going to have a voice that resonates louder and for longer with this group of players. Because we've seen what happens under Carlo and Rafa; things tailed off into different degrees, and, and ultimately it hasn't worked. And, and Kuhn, cetera. I just wonder whether is that part of the direction the club have to go, and they go for a younger player with not a CV of managerial strength. But actually, what he's done on the pitch relatively recently,
0: mm, I think that that's he's certainly got the potential to do that, hasn't he? And I think that's a that's a really good point. And you know, I think what what Gab is saying there as well the, the the fact that he's almost an unknown quantity could could essentially working working Everton's favour down the line if he did, if he does uh, could turn out to be a really really good manager. I think I, I think if Everton were to go down this route, they'd be smart to get. A good team around him. I think you know keeping somebody like Ferguson on would probably be a good shout in this sense. You know maybe having Leighton Bain step up to be you know that similar sort of voice of you know a, a somebody who's known Everton for so long over the past few years. He's done a bit of work with the youth levels now, so he so he knows uh, the youth players inside out. He can he can bring that sort of knowledge up to the first team as well. Uh, so I saw some reports of maybe bringing. Somebody like Lee Carsley into to to help out in that sense, which I didn't th- I don't think would be that bad an idea. But whether That's he'd want to leave idea. an England under twenty one role to come and be only what would essentially be an assistant to Rooney in that in that sense, you know, I think that that might be a little bit questionable. But yeah, I, I think I, I think in general sense with with Rooney, I, I do agree with the lads. I think it was a very you know on, on Sunday night. I think we were we were all left a bit flabbergasted about who who was. Who was going to be next? Because you know Everton have just tried so many different avenues over the past few years. Uh, it does seem like it's going to be a, a sort of a a younger, you know, perhaps less experienced sort of coach to to take Everton forward. Uh, I still think you know somebody like a uh, Niko Kovac or somebody somebody like that. I think that would be someone someone good to have on Everton's list. Uh, I still think, you know, in in ideal circumstances, somebody like a Graham Potter would be the ideal candidate, but you know, he, he wouldn't leave Brighton at this point to to come to a club like Everton with the way it's being run at the minute. So, you know, some somebody like somebody like a Wayne Rooney w- would probably be quite high up on my on my list at the minute. And it's not just because he's a former Everton player; it, it is, as you say, he's a he's you know he's a player who's won so much in recent history as well. As you say, a lot of a lot of Everton's squad will have seen Wayne Rooney uh, at, at his peak, winning all those trophies, being a fantastic player for you know Everton and then Manchester United in England as well. So you know maybe that will resonate with with some of those players, and maybe we'll be able to to get that message across. And as Gav says, hopefully uh, you'd think he'd be given a little bit more time if uh, if things didn't quite go to plan uh, right from the start. And Chris, Adam talks about, you
1: know, I are all talking theoretically and, and hypothetically here, but, you know, talking about there may be a, a requirement to build a good team around Rooney, should that be the direction the club go in. Would that have to include the director of football? Because we're awaiting the outcome of the strategic review. The football club via had today have said that the managerial search will be aligned with that. But what comes first, they haven't said. Details very thin on the ground. It's just... We'll tell you when it's ready, but they're going to be connected.
2: Yeah, not not for me. Um, we've discussed this before and I can understand where you came from because obviously Wayne Rooney is a very um, young man and um, inexperienced and we've just discussed all that. But for me, I prefer the traditional model, the way that David Moyes operated with at the club for over a decade and that he was all-encompassing. He was the man training the team. He was the man picking the players through... Through the recruitment process, I I think okay the model works well and is the accepted model on on the continent, but for, for Everton I I prefer to have um, one man making uh, the decisions. Um, I think part that was part of the problem with Marcel Brands. whatever you, you 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 thought of uh, Marcel Brands? And I know Neville Southall was very scathing of him when he spoke to me this week. But Marcel wasn't able to sort of fulfil his, his remit to a certain extent, as you as you well know, Phil. Um, the the players who he targeted or um, the way he wanted to operate as a director of football, he wasn't able to do. And you say, well, that's Everton's fault. Maybe we'll have to get it right next time round and deploy your director of football in the proper manner. But just personally, I'd, I'd rather have, I think that if you're the manager and you're um, responsible for bringing in the players, you, you know what you want and um, you can go and get them and it, and it rides in your head. So for, for me, um, no, I, I, I wouldn't want a director of footballer ever, and uh, I think the two times they've had that in the in the recent past, it's, it's not worked well at all.
1: Okay, interesting stuff, chat. So before we uh, we obviously come on to uh, predictions to talk about the game, an important game as well. Um, Fahad mashiri uh, issued an open letter uh, to supporters today. Gav, uh, with also the accompanying news that um, he has taken up the option to purchase uh, thirty three thousand three hundred thirty three more shares uh, yeah. taking his taking his shareholding to 94.1% and that equates to another 100 million pounds that have lo- of loans that have been turned into equity um, get your thoughts on two strands of that one Farhad's message and the fact that he's you know he says he's a private man but felt the need to communicate and secondly the fact that he's increased his, uh, his
3: stake in the club yeah um, the latter one first yeah it's it's not new money is it just I think a few people said I've oh, got hundred million pounds to spend. It's just a really an accounting, uh, uh, transaction, really. Um, yeah, he's got, got 95, well, 95% is, it's a lot, isn't it? Don't really he's after the 100% don't know whether that could happen. Um, yeah, it shows his, shows his commitment. Um, so that, but the great scheme of things though, it's not ma- massive. I would say, um, regarding his communication long overdue, isn't It just shows you that some, you know, you do some really small things that make a big difference, can't you? And the general response has been quite welcoming, isn't it, from supporters um, that he's actually chosen the official route. So simple, isn't it? You know, compared to the, you know, quite right that the the criticisms had by and, shall we say, alternative uh, channels in the past, and this should be a uh, the way forward for him, really, uh, as regards to the message. There was some some important things in there I, I thought that aligned you know you, you get the impression that this strategic review is far more down the line than what people think don't you really i suspect um that's the first thing the second thing is obviously it appears to be done by the the, the, the by far had on the board as well doesn't it and um, i think he said that um and, and i say it's quite interesting that they want to align that with any management appointments so i thought that was interesting um and also, I thought the you know the bit about fan engagement, which was I think right at the end, wasn't it? I think was also quite interesting. Um, how that will pan out? Just imagine a massive Twitter Spaces, <laughs> fifty thousand people on, you know, all trying to talk. Uh, <laughs> it could be interesting, but yeah, I, I, forget about the the detail. It was the fact that he he chose. Official club channels. That was the the welcome thing for everybody, really. Um, And that was it was long overdue, and just it's a lesson for them, really, that actually sometimes just the simple things that you do as as an owner can have massive uh, massive impact.
1: The Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, um, obviously, Gav's just uh, reminded me of another line that came out today. Obviously, it's our information that uh, the club intend to change their articles of association to remove any obligation to have annual general meetings, but the club feel that they can engage more often and with more fans, not just shareholders, as a result of this. And and, and their plan is to explore that as an option and, and do something more regularly, almost dismantle the one-off general meeting and do more things regularly, uh, both in person and online. So that's just something to look out for on the website. Adam, thoughts on, on Farhad's um, public statements and, and message today?
0: Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you know the general point that Gav was making there. I think it was just really, really promising to see Farhad mashiri come out through the club channels, the official club channels, and, and do this in the right sort of manner rather than uh, the the ways that he's done in the past, which I, I suppose we don't need to uh, we don't need to go over again. I think the stuff that you said about the general meeting there is is actually quite interesting because I've been having this discussion with a few people on social media today. I, I just think it's a very strange move for me for, from from Everton. You know, I think you know the the general meetings haven't been perfect in the past. I think especially you know, with Farhad Mashiri not turning up to the last in person one at the very least. You know. I think I do think they, they could have been modified in some way to make you know some level of scrutiny a, a little bit more a little bit more fair I suppose to to some of the minor shareholders but to take that away I just think is is very strange and you know the cl- I I understand what the club is saying that they want to appeal to a, a wider range of supporters and do it more regularly but you can do that anyway, can't you? You don't you don't have to take take out the general meeting to be able to have that wider engagement with supporters. I don't think it should be an either or scenario in that sense. You can still have this the. I think it's a different level of scrutiny that a general meeting brings with you know minor shareholders who have a stake in the club and obviously want to get their views across. It's a, it it it's a different level of scrutiny than you would expect from, um you know supporters who who don't have share like minor shares in the club. So. I just think it's weird that you wouldn't want to run both side by side really so it's it, it would be interesting to see uh, how the club go about doing these you know more regular as as they say sort of sort of events with with a wider range of supporters I I, I will I will watch with interest to see how how they're gonna how they're gonna take place, and as as you did like allude to as well, Everton are not ruling out ever having a general meeting again. They're just ruling it ruling out you know, the obligation that they that they have to hold a yearly one, etc. So, you know, perhaps they will still hold general meetings in the future, and it won't and it won't uh, really impact much. But I do I do think that the kind of route that has been suggested with that today is just just hasn't hasn't really sat well with me, to be honest.
1: Yeah, always going to be a contentious move, wasn't it? And I can imagine that many fans uh, uh, echoing Adam's thoughts this afternoon when reading that story. OK, let's look forward to the game uh, before we wrap up. Bees will come full circle. Duncan Ferguson said, also well, he's asked, do you make changes to the team for the Villa game? And he basically said, of course, you have to. We've been <laughs> losing games, so there will be changes. So, two-pronged question for you, Bees. Okay. What do you think the team going to look like? And then give me a
2: Okay, um, well, it's interesting because I didn't um, Duncan play four four two against Chelsea, um, yeah. but then Everton looked woefully ineffective playing four four two um last weekend. I suppose you could uh, put Richarlson up top instead of Rondon alongside Dominic Calvert Lewin. So yeah. I, I, I certainly think that that's going to be a personnel change, and you'd imagine Yeti Mina um starting in, in, in the back four after looking. Oh, well, relatively um, secure after he, after he came on at, at carra Road. So they'd be, the, they'd be the main change. I think it'd be more a change in the, the way they sort of approach the game. ever And all season, even when results were going well for Rafa Benitez, haven't started on the front foot. They've been lethargic and it's the old chicken and the egg with the crowd. Who gets who up for what? But you've got to hope that, that you know, the crowd are going to be on top of them from the start. They're going to be willing them, you know, with great gusto from the start. So you've got to hope there's going to be a, a much more, but the tempo um, um, sort of display, I mean, you could see that in those little snippets from training this week, in the clips with Duncan Ferguson he was saying up the tempo, up the tempo. And that, that's what you want. You want Everton on the front foot from the start, a real sort of high energy kind of performance. Um, in terms of um, a result a prediction, you've got. Let's, hope, let's be positive in these situations and I'll say 2-1 Everton.
1: Lovely, yeah, Gav. I, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined very much to agree with B's. I think he will go four four two, and it'll be Richarlis and Calvert and it'll be a, a hark back to December 19 as much as we possibly can. Um, how do you think he's going to line up, and, and how do you think it'll, it'll finish?
3: Yeah, I think a couple of the subs from last week will be on. I'm just having a look, actually, there might only be three players who, um. Outfield players somebody who may feature who were the only one surviving the 2019 game against Chelsea, wow. um, including, I think, none of the midfield for that day. Um, so it's interesting. I think Keane's places under jeopardy, you know. Yes, yeah. You know, I, I think Mina may come in for Keane. He was one of the ones survivors from 2019. I expect Mina to come in for Keane. being said be interesting what he does about the right back. Um, three midfields because
1: yeah, there's a French fullback only to keep tabs on. I don't know if you yeah, heard about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, th- you know, three in midfield. but we'll who's your third one? You know, the Allen, Alan, what Gomez, and yeah, Paul, Ashley, Gomez, uh, mm. Townsend, maybe. Well, I think he might, might see four, four, two. Uh, yeah. I think again tomorrow, um. It'll be, be interesting to see how we, how that shapes up, really. But well, I think for for Rondon's an obvious one, isn't it, really? Um, and I, I just think I think Mina key is definitely, I'm just wondering whether Coleman Coleman gets a shirt uh, tomorrow. So it, it will it will be interesting. It will be interesting. I think that the the players in the team. Well, he said they be make changes, as you say, but how do they line up. Is is incest and I think Gomez will probably go as well for woeful. Yeah. At what's your
1: what's your prediction then, Gav?
3: After oh right, okay, I've got to do a prediction now, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> as you well know, I don't know where see me stats as uh Ferguson, Astonville as a player that to sum is his worst yes. team to to face. Didn't oh. score in, did score in scoring yes. 13 games.
1: I, I read, I read that just before we started recording, and then a tear just rolled down yeah. my eye. Just, <laughs>
3: yeah, and to make matters worse, and I'm obliged to say this, Gerard Everton were also Gerard's favourite Premier League opponents. Mm. So, it's all, it's all set well, up yes. for the Aston Villa win. But you know what? I, I just think it's a bit different from two years ago. The players are different. I think the players' relationship with Ferguson is different. I think he's probably got a little bit more pressure on him personally than two years ago. Um, so I think it's going to be a slightly different game to what that Chelsea game was. You know, and Villa are quite offensive, aren't they? Plays well against Man United last week. Um, so, but I'm going to go for a high score and draw. I'm going to go for not high score and draw. I'm going to go for a draw with goals, uh, two all from me.
1: Okay. Okay, Adam. Same to you. How do you think he's going to line up, and then then give us your prediction?
0: Yeah, I think four four two seems seems like the the lineup he's going to go for. He was he was talking in the press conference today about how much he's learned from Carlo Ancelotti and how much of an inspiration Carlo Ancelotti was to him. And we, we know from Carlo's time here that he always preferred four four two, especially in a defensive sort of setup. He thought four four two was the best defensive sort of style, and you know Ferguson was obviously quite mindful that Everton has to be defensively solid against an Aston Villa team. They're quite rightly very, very offensive and Everton need to keep them out. Uh, I am am more inclined to agree with a 4-4-2 if you've got Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin as the two men up top, because I think Richarlison especially has a tendency to drop off a little bit and he almost becomes like a third man in midfield, just playing a little bit further up. So he could become something of an an out-ball to the likes of, well, I presume it would be Alain, if fit, and Decore, if fit, it would be the, the two central midfielders in this scenario. So we'd drop off and become sort of an out-ball for them. So I'd be I'd be a lot happier with that than if it was, you know, the Calvert-Lewin and Rondon as it was last week. So I'd expect Richarlison to start. It'll be interesting to see who he plays on the on the flanks, I think, because, you know, obviously Aston Villa do have Matty Cash on one side and now Luca Dean on the other flank who are full backs who love to get forward. Be interesting to see if we if we go with somebody like Townsend, who we know is very defensively capable on the flanks, or whether we stick with the likes of Gordon and DeMardi Gray to try and pin them back in that sense. I think that's going to be an interesting battle. And I personally would play Nathan Patterson and give him his debut at right back because I think it's It's I think I think it's been long enough. Essentially, that I think he's been training with the side for a little bit. You know, he, you know, when he first joined, he, he mentioned Duncan Ferguson's influence, didn't he? A couple of days after he joined, saying he'd, you know, he already spoke with him, etc., cetera, et cetera. So perhaps, perhaps he's already got a little bit of a connection with Dunk. But I think, in terms of re- a result, I do I do agree with Gav Gav somewhat. I think you know the, the run of form that we've been on recently has just been. Absolutely horrendous. Uh, I, I, I can't even with you know the the added uh, the, the added atmosphere. I suppose that Duncan Ferguson will bring. Uh, I, I just I just can't see it having a huge major effect on on the players on the pitch. I think I think it'll be a one-one draw. Personally, okay. I'm gonna go with B's
1: two-one, and we will score first. <laughs> Everton will score the first goal. <laughs> Well. <laughs> probably wildly inaccurate but there you go uh, chaps thank you very much uh, for your company excellent as always hopefully everybody at home has enjoyed listening to it um, we'll all be at the game everybody going to be at the game tomorrow everybody there Yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent we'll all be there so um, stick with us online uh, across the weekend for all the updates, news, opinion, analysis, uh, from what hopefully is a return to winning ways as Duncan takes uh, caretaker charge for a second time. Um, excellent. And the boys will be back Monday uh, to reflect on that. And again, we'll be there hopefully Friday, or oh, there's no game next week at Weekend, is there? So we'll let you know about that one. Excellent, chaps. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.